successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Brill Nation. Get a hooter. Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show. And online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello and welcome to the Grill Nation Show. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for joining us today on 980 AM KMBZ, as well as on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and at GrillNationShow.com, where you can find all of my guests, pictures of my guests, and all the information about the Grill Nation Show. It's a holiday season, and around here we enjoy running a best of shows at this time of the year. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying your holiday. Uh, excited to have you listening here today. We're going to run a best of show, but first I want to thank my partners and supporters of the Grill Nation show with Jason Grill. The title sponsors of the show are Trust, MoBank, BOK Financial, and Two West Advisors and Ryan Rink. Guest co-hosting contributors to Grill Nation are The Rieger and Jay Rieger & Co., Ryan Maybe, One Light Luxury Apartments, and Reactor Design Studios, and Clifton Alexander, guest host and honor contributor. Thanks for your support of the Grill Nation show. On today's show, we will be joined by Alan Galen, who's the owner of Bread and Butter Concepts, a great company here in Kansas City and throughout the... Uh, on our second segment of this Best of Grill Nation show, we're going to be talking to Jim Waggy, who's the owner of 8 McDonald's in the Kansas City area. On our third segment today, we'll be joined by Tucker Trotter, who's the CEO of Dimensional Innovations, a great Kansas City company. And in our final segment, we'll be joined by Devin Henderson, who's a comedian, magician, and corporate speaker. He will make you laugh, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining us. On today's show, we will be joined by Alan Galen, who's the owner of Bread and Butter Concepts, a great company here in Kansas City and throughout the uh, the area here on the Missouri and Kansas side. Bread and Butter Concepts is uh, about surrounding you with things you expect from an ultimate host. In each of our restaurants, you'll find yourself in a relaxing environment that remains energetic and exciting. A place you'll want to bring friends where you'll feel welcome. They attend uh, to your needs while enjoying the company of friends. Each of our establishments will immerse you in a feeling of comfort and belonging. Uh, Alan Galen, welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks. I'm great. Great to see you. Uh, yeah. So uh, so you're a busy man. You have a great entrepreneurial story and uh, a lot of things that maybe people don't know about you when they visit the restaurants. But um, for those of you, we'll get into that story here in the next segment. But in this right. first segment, I really kind of want to talk about kind of your company, Bread and Butter Concepts, and really kind of focus on uh, the different restaurants okay. that, that you guys open. Yeah, so, sure. so give us kind of a, an overview of the company first, and then we'll get into kind of some of the concepts. For sure, yeah. We, ha- we have eight restaurants. Uh, we started the company in uh, 2009, and uh, moved to Kansas City and decided uh, this would be a great great place for for a lot of reasons. One, my my wife is from here, and we had she had some deep roots and connections in Kansas City. So, um, and the economy here has has always remained fairly consistent. So, it was something that we looked at, and as we looked at the restaurant industry here, and decided, you know, let's let's give it a run. And, and we'll get into that after, after about your journey. But in 2009, you know, the, the economy it, was an interesting spot. It was. When you started it was, to do this. It was in a, in, a, in a fairly bad spot for the restaurant industry. Um, 2007-ish is when casual dining industry really crashed pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the big casual dining companies were really taking a, taking a beating. And, uh, you know, that's when Las Vegas and Phoenix and Florida, all the big cities started really 
really hurting on the housing side. So mm-hmm. it was it was a it was a risky time <laughs> uh, to say the least. But right. um, you know, e- e- entrepreneurs, I think that's one thing that they do. You know, they're not willing to take risks, and you know, you have to take taking risks at, in those kind of times or some kind times the times that pays off best. So mm-hmm. you know, we saw an opportunity that uh, we felt like there was a real need, and uh, you know. So did you start when you started the company? Did you did you envision having a, a lot of different concepts, or was it just like we're going to try a restaurant out and see? Yeah, what I never even thought about ten deep or twenty or thirty or anything like that. You know, our goal was to open one successful rep business, and you know, see what happened after that. And uh, you know, the traditional way to grow a company and you know, the restaurant industry would be to you know, open one concept and then grow that particular concept, you know, and you Mm -hmm. see 10 of them or 12 of them. And, um, you know, that's kind of what we had in mind if we were looking at the future at all would be to to do that, but didn't quite turn out that way. (laughs) We're talking to Alan Galen, who's the owner and CEO of Bread and Butter Concepts here in the Kansas City area. The website is bread in the letter N, butterconcepts.com. So talk to us about your uh, restaurants uh, that you have on board right now and, and, yeah, and BR- give, us, give us a flyover of each of them. Yeah, BRGR Kitchen and Bar was our first first one. Burger uh, concept. Burger, burger concept. Was- kind of, we call it a modern burger concept, but yeah. it's really a casual dining concept with a focus on burgers. So, you know, we do uh, traditional stuff and a little bit off the wall, but everything's fresh, you know, chef-driven, mm-hmm. made in-house. Um, you have you have a, a an interesting dish there called tachos, tachos, the ta- the tater yeah. tot nachos. And yeah, I've enjoyed those on a few Sundays they, watching football. Yeah, they're <laughs> they're pretty fun. They're pre- you know not uh, tots, tater tots are pretty hard not to like. They got so, pretty popular there. Yeah, they did. They're really popular. We just came up with some new versions. You know, some you know a nachos version and a poutine version and a couple mm-hmm. different ways. So you guys have a BRGR a couple locations, we have right? Three total. Three, one okay. in the Prairie Village uh, downtown at PNL District. 14th and Main, and then in Leewood at uh, 135th and Row. Mm-hmm. So you got that going on. We got that going on. And then our second lo- second restaurant was Urban Table, which is also in the uh, Corinth Center at 83rd and Mission. Farm to Table, uh, American lunch and breakfast, uh, brunch on the weekends there. And then at dinner, we flip over to an uh, Italian-American menu, uh, which we just recently did about three or four months ago. So um, – but it's fresh, using local ingredients, uh, uh, mid-price point, uh, kind of a, a really cool environment. Really cool. Uh, envi- yeah, yeah you, the build was really good. The, the environment is pretty modern. Yeah, it's very modern, but very casual. It's a ca- casual setting, easy to relax, and just uh, kind of that neighborhood, kind of cool hip neighborhood place, you know. Mm-hmm. Like um, then we opened Graham and Dunn. Um, when did you guys open that? Graham and Dunn, we opened six years ago, November 22nd. Just last week was our six-year anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, kind of an upscale American. It started out as a gastropub. Gastropubs are kind of gone by the wayside in name now, but it's just really cool culinary American creations is, is really what it is. It's a, It's got a great environment. Obviously, the patio is you know, about 100 seats, overlooks Brush Creek and all the hotels and condos on uh, it's open plaza, it's open so. pretty much year round with the weather the way it is but also you have fire pits out there we have fire pits out heaters. there so if it's 50 or above it's pretty comfortable around the fire pits and yeah if we can catch catch weekends like last weekend it's all good right <laughs> so you uh, got that and then you got a couple other concepts we do we do we have a uh, uh, taco republic over uh, across the street from oklahoma joe's uh, mission road mm-hmm. uh, it's an outdoor really a texas taco version you know big outdoor area mm-hmm. a lot of fun tacos and quesos and things like that um and then we have um the oliver 
which uh, we kind of call the call Amer- upscale American tavern, if you will. We kind of do approachable, recognizable foods there, really cool drinks. We have bottle cocktails. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of in a library setting a little bit, just on the plaza around the corner from Graham and Dunn on Jefferson Street. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our newest restaurant, Stock Hill, uh, upscale. About a year old, right? About a year old. Year old uh, coming up Friday, actually. It's a modern steakhouse. Modern steakhouse. A little bit different than your traditional steakhouse, you know, and the ambiance is, is certainly more more big city, more modern feeling. Menus a little more diverse than your tr- traditional steakhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan Galen is our guest on the show today from Bread and Butter Concept, CEO. Uh, won a lot of awards. If you go to the website, uh, accolades, if you will, for the restaurants. We just breeze through them real quickly, but we'll get more into them after the break. I want to talk to Alan about his his entrepreneurial journey and, and really kind of dive deeper into the, being a restaurateur and what that takes and also talk about some of the time he spent uh, over with Hula Hands and uh, throughout the country. Uh, it's going to be a fun show today, and then we'll talk a little more after that about kind of the Kansas City restaurant scene. You're listening to Grill Nation here on KBZ 980 AM. Thanks for joining us. Listening to a best of Grill Nation. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show on 980 AM KMBZ. Appreciate you joining us again today online or on the radio. Jim Wagey. 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 Mm-hmm. Gosh, great name. I, I, I tried to spell it out. Uh, he is a owner operator of McDonald's throughout Kansas City and has a family history uh, working at McDonald's. So, what, what is your favorite thing to eat at McDonald's? You've been there long enough. Let's. Let's kind of start with that because uh, I know you say you, you, you like to eat it still. You've been yeah. there forever. so <laughs> I guess my death row meal would be a double cheese plain, um, large fry, hot apple pie, Dr. Pepper. That would probably be it. But I, I do enjoy a lot of the menu, actually. I mix it up. But if that, that's just the one that you can get going into McDonald's. I like that. You guys started all of those dollar menus and mm-hmm. kind of evolved. Um, when did that stuff all start happening? I remember as a kid, you know, we can talk about the innovation of the Happy Meal, um, but it seems lately you, you've you've kind of made, things are, uh, you know, you had the meal deals and all that, supersize me, all those things. You got to continue to be innovative. And and do you do you have any selection of that at your stores, or is that just all a corporate type deal? I, I'm very interested in that because I go to McDonald's in different cities, and sometimes I see different things. That's right. Well, we're getting more and more national. We're, we're evolving right now where it's going to be more one voice speaking for everyone. But we've traditionally been a pretty co-op based business where we spend a lot of money locally that would allow us to do things that we wanted to do, try different flavors, different sandwiches, different mm-hmm. ideas. Uh, but we are in the process of, of evolving to more of a national platform, mm-hmm. which a lot of our competitors do too right now. So, do they? Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I'm in charge of the Kansas City Co-op for the Kansas City McDonald's operators. So we bring in a lot of different products and promotions, things that are specific to us, like our partnerships with the Chiefs and the Royals and different products like McRibs. And we can test certain things that uh, other parts Kansas of Kansas City is like a testing ground, isn't it? I see that all the time with different fast food operations or groups. They're, they want to test their product here uh, in Kansas City. 
That's right. Um, it's a short plane ride from Oak Brook, our national world headquarters. And, you know, Kansas City has led in innovation in McDonald's a lot. We invented the extra value meal. Okay. So that was a, the, which one was that again? No, that was like the big sandwich, the fry and the drink, supersize it. Okay. okay that so, was invented in Kansas yeah, City. That was invented in now, Kansas is, City. When you say that was invented here, is that invented by, uh, the co-op folks or? Yeah, the co-op folks, operators and regional management came together and thought, well, what if we package this together? And we, we started out with four at two ninety nine. We had the Big Mac, the quarter cheese, two cheeseburgers and. Which is crazy to me to think about. So you guys really innovated the entire fast food market right here in Kansas City. Right, we did. And well before that, Bob Bernstein at Bernstein Rain came up with the Happy Meal. Which what uh, year? How long ago was that? Gosh, seventies. Yes, it was the seventies. Because when I was, I grew up. I grew, was born in nineteen seventy nine in the eighties. Obviously, I was getting Happy Meals all the time. That was that was born out of Kansas City. It sure was. Wow. And so it was tested here and it went well and then other markets right. adopted it. Cause Bob, he started advertising with us, I think in 67 and he did a lot of premiums. So he brought a lot of stuff like sippy dippers and, and, um, flying saucer frisbees that would actually be a cup lid and, you know, just puppets and, uh, <laughs> things, you know, pencil erasers that were looked like Ronald McDonald. He was kind of in the premium business and, Finally, McDonald's said, Bob, do you want to be a premium salesman or do you want to be an advertising agency? And he chose to become an ad- advertising agency. And at one point, he was w- one of the top 50 biggest advertising agencies in the whole United States when he had all the national Walmart, all national Blockbuster, and some really big national accounts. But he loves McDonald's. He's passionate about McDonald's. He's had a relationship with us for 45 years. And Recently, uh, they were chosen to be one of only seven advertising agencies that can service McDonald's for the whole nation. Wow. Oh, that's interesting. And all here in Kansas City, you know, I don't think enough people know that. Although I think the Happy Meal thing's starting to make its rounds. I think we've got kind of a, the new, the new millennial, uh, world is starting to find out that it was actually invented here in Kansas City. And the, the great thing about that as a kid is, uh, you know, you always got a toy now. I don't have any kids yet, Jim, so I, I haven't been getting Happy Meals in a while. But have those evolved at all? Are those changed yeah. at all, or how does that work now? Well, you know, we partner with the greatest brands, you know, whatever it's going to be, whatever is in demand, whether it's a movie theater product, you know, something with Disney or something with Transformers or something mm-hmm. like that. So we always, being that we have a big buying power and a large distribution network, uh, I think the toy manufacturers want to come to McDonald's first because we're going to get a lot through with our volume. And so we get the premium of the premiums to to give away in our Happy Meals. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Uh, you mentioned your uh, death row meal. What what what's popular these days with your customers? Uh, you obviously have a lot of data if you're you're running eight stores here in the Kansas City area. What what are what are still some of the highlights? Well, they like whatever's on sale a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> so McDoubles are very popular after a Royals double play. Uh, Big Macs are very popular after a Big Mac sack with the Chiefs. Um, they like our core menu, really. I mean, you, you can bring in a lot of other sandwiches. I mean, they like the seasonality of the McRib. Just now, here is that, now, the McRib has always been kind of that cult yeah. classic. Mm-hmm. I, I've had it before, but I know a lot of friends who are obsessed with like when the McRib's coming mm-hmm. back. And it's just kind of, it's not like a, a seasonal thing where you guys say every year it's going to be in the fall. It's, it, does it change? Well, you try to keep it in the fall. We try okay. to run it sometime between September, October. Through January, we try to get that done. 
depending on what else is going on with the national calendar. And it's still hot. People still want it. Yeah, they love it because they wait for it. You know, it goes away and it comes back. (laughs) So, yeah, there is a cult following in the McRib. But your uh, French fries have always been one of the finest. They're they're the best. You know, we protect our fries. We always have our eyes on our fries, make sure they're great. And they're just always cooked the same. What's one menu item that you love that you wish more people would uh, give a shot to? Because they always go for the classics. Yeah. Well, our signature crafted line is so good. I don't know if people really know the quality of that product, but, you know, we have this artisan roll, and we have chef-crafted toppings that come on. Mm-hmm. And right now we have a new sriracha sauce one that's really good. But our pinko de gallo is great, and, you know, our spicy barbecue is great, and comes with bacon. And we have neat cheeses like, you know, cheddar, mm-hmm. uh, white cheddar cheeses, and just gore, so all gonna, the, you guys are really evolving because mm-hmm. the market is shifting, but then you have the people that, that, that just want to keep the classics. That's right. They love the classics, but the new stuff, you know, now we're letting the customers have more choice because choice is important to our customers. So they can have a choice of having that uh, signature craft in line with a grilled chicken with no antibiotics in it or the crispy fried chicken mm-hmm. or the quarter pounder. Mm-hmm. And they can have a choice of a bun too. Mm-hmm. So it is evolving. Um, talk to me about kind of, market share with the breakfast so you guys i remember as a kid getting breakfast at mcdonald's a lot i I, i'm sure that still happens but you know back when i was growing up used to actually like go and sit in the restaurant you know Mm -hmm. drive-thrus weren't as as Mm -hmm. big of a deal i don't even know if there was a drive-thru at the very red location there was there was there yeah okay yeah there was now that i think about there was um but is the breakfast is it still like a 10 30 a.m thing how does that work so now we have all day breakfast so that's kind of messed it up a little bit there's not that big rush to go to McDonald's, you know, that Jim Gaffigan skit, you know, McDonald's stopped serving breakfast at 1030. How else are we going to know when breakfast is over if it weren't for McDonald's? <laughs> but uh, that little funny thing Jim yeah, Gaffigan right? does. But uh, I mean, I remember that it was 1030. Yeah. Now, I haven't had breakfast at McDonald's mm-hmm. in a while. Forgive me, but I didn't even, it wasn't, I didn't even skip a beat. I knew mm-hmm. it was 1030 a.m. It was mm-hmm. like programmed in your mind. That's, that's right. when it ended. The mad dash. <laughs> and but now it's not, now it's all day. Yeah, it's all day. I mean, you so can if I get, want to go there right now, I can get, you can get pancakes. You can get pancakes. You can get okay. most all of our breakfast you menu. You the big right breakfast now. when I was a kid. That's right. The big breakfast. Still around? Still around. Add cheese to the scrambled eggs. Nice touch. <laughs> You'll like it. So all that's still going. So, um, that's interesting. So you guys really operate full capacity. And then, you know, obviously there's a lot of menu items. How many, uh, value menus do you have now compared to the three or four you started with? Well, we have, you know, something for breakfast. We got a deal for lunch. We got a lot of deals coming and, uh, particularly in January when everything switches to, uh, national. I can't give away the whole secret, but we're going to have, you know, three new menus. We're going to have a dollar menu, a $2 menu, and a $3 menu. Hmm. So we're going to have items on the $1, $2, and $3 price point nationally advertised. Do more people gravitate to those than they do the actual old school extra value menus that you created? Because I'm the kind of guy that, you know, if I'm trying to eat a little healthier, I'll just get the sandwich mm-hmm. uh, and maybe an iced tea. But, you know, I remember in high school, it was all about the value menus. And now I feel like there's been a shift towards, like you just said, the dollar, $2, yeah. $3 type stuff. There has been because, you know what, the customer wants to be boss. And we need to let the customer be boss. And when we say you can have this burger with this fry and this Coke at this price, they're like, no, I don't necessarily want that. I don't know if I want a Coke. I might want something else. So mm. that's why we, we're starting to piecemeal it out and have some $1, $2, $3 uh, offerings mm-hmm. because we want the customer to be able to pick and choose and kind of make up their own meals because that's really what they want. 
How is the, uh, des- you, you mentioned desserts in one of your segments or the apple pie. Mm-hmm. Is that, that seems to have been pretty standard the whole time. I mean, I know you have yogurt parfaits and whatnot now, but the, the apple pie is kind of the traditional and it's still around. It is. Uh, w- when we first brought it out, it was deep fried and some people say, Oh, I want the deep fried one back. And I love the deep fried. Oh, one. it's not deep fried. Anymore. Now we're baking it. Okay. For health reasons. So it's not in the grease and it's, it's healthier. And it's really a good pie. I mean, I, I love that thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a little bit different, but it's the same feeling with cinnamon in it and it sounds, it tastes really good. So is that menu evolved too? The dessert menu? Or have you kept you, it pretty not, small? Pretty kept it pretty small. I think we have plans to blow out the dessert menu. In the next three years, and I think you'll see a lot more coming. We're totally evolving our menu right now. I mean, McCafe is going to be plussed up and changed a lot. You're going to get more offerings. You're going to see some baked goods coming in the store uh, next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uber Eats are coming uh, to my Berry Road location, I think, in October, where you're going to actually be able to get on your phone and uh, have McDonald's delivered to your house. Uh, that's coming. Mobile order in May is coming this fall where you can go to your McDonald's app, which you should download now, and add in your credit card, and you can order off your app and go right to the drive-thru and pick it up or come inside, take it to go, or come inside, sit at a table. We will find you at your table, and we will bring your food there because you already paid for it through your app. We're talking all about McDonald's today on the Grill Nation show. We'll be right back after the break. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body. When it drops... You're listening to a best of Grill Nation. Welcome back to Grill Nation. You're listening uh, to a best of Grill Nation. And on iTunes, if you're listening via podcast as well as on grillnationshow.com, you can connect with me on Twitter at Jason Grill and at Grill Nation Show. Really excited to continue on with our guest today. Uh, we have Tucker Trotter, who's the president and CEO of Dimensional Innovations, and Tom Collins, who's the chief operating officer of Dimensional Innovations. Also joined today by Jeff Phillips, who is the senior vice president at Mo Bank. Uh, we're talking, learning more about Dimensional Innovations and some of your work. Uh, I'm looking through a uh, amazing catalog that you've put together and brought into the studio with some of your projects. Um, locally and nationally. Let's touch on some of the ones that you've worked on uh, to create better experiences here locally that you're proud of. I'd love to learn more about some of the projects locally you've worked on. Well, uh, the first one I, I think is maybe the one that's caught the most attention for us over the years, and that's the library books that are uh, for the downtown library. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that one gets a lot of attention. Uh, you still see it on social media as kind of, uh, you know. I just saw it on your LinkedIn profile. All right, there you go. <laughs> So, and it, you know, it's, it's innovative. It was definitely innovative. Yeah. In and, an John, and Jonathan Kemper is really the, you know, he's, he's the one that came up with that idea. And there was a lot of pushback. It seemed weird, seemed like a weird idea. And so one of the ways that we like to work is we just make mock-ups and we just, so we made a full scale mock-up and just tested it. And it, and we, everybody, uh, once we put it up on the side of the building, we could tell it was going to be a really cool concept. So that's one that we're really proud of. Um, and then, you know, I think, the work out at uh, Arrowhead um, uh, and also at, at Royals has been has been great. You guys um, also touched the streetcar a little bit, I yeah, think, right? All the ATA, yeah, all the KCATA work, and uh, so we're really proud of that. Um, continue to see that stuff that can uh, grow, and so driving around town and being able to see your work is very sad. And you mentioned AMC was one of your first clients. Yep, 
And so whenever you walk into an AMC theaters and the one at the time that you, that was opened at power and light district and also too, you there's tons of them throughout the city, obviously, right? It, just each one of them is unique experience and different, I think in a way. Yeah. They're all different and they're always evolving. So, um, one of the things that we like to do with, uh, with AMC is help them kind of continue to explore how the guest experience can always be better and, uh, and how, you know, guest preferences are constantly changing. And so making sure we are testing and trying things, trying new things out with them. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, we need so much more of this. Now you talked about sports too, Tom, you mentioned, uh, the, the stadium, the new stadium in Atlanta. I'm, I'm looking through your book here and you guys have done experience in many stadiums, new yeah. stadiums throughout yeah. this country, both the college and the professional level. Yeah, Talk we, to us about some of those because I'm looking through it. I'm seeing, you know, Charlotte, Minneapolis, yeah, we have Kansas State's in here. And yeah, we're fortunate to have over a hundred either professional sports franchises or D1 schools as clients. So we've done work all over the place. So, um, so you're talking about kind of take me through what you're touching in the stadiums. Sure. So we're touching everything from fan experience stuff. So we did the Viking Voyage. Uh, Minnesota Vikings created a unique space dedicated entirely to fan experience. Uh, locally, we did a bunch of stuff at the front of Allen Fieldhouse, a lot of the interactives that people engage with as they're walking into Allen Fieldhouse at KU. But then we also do things like uh, potential involvement in luxury suites or locker rooms. So, for instance, we did the football locker rooms at K-State. So um, I'm looking at KU basketballs in here as well. Yeah. It uh, looks like, man, that, that's a nice... Uh, that's a nice locker room in there. <laughs> yeah. And and the common thread with all this is helping uh, uh, either brands or schools recruit and retain athletes mm-hmm. and student athletes. So um, I have seen the K-State work you did. I was out there a few weeks ago. Uh, also to the Royals Hall of Fame. Yeah. Right? yeah. Touch that. Yeah. Uh, it just adds so much to the to the experience. You're right. Yeah. Compared to what we used to have at stadiums. Right. Right. Well, and you don't even the, another one you you don't really think about is the Community America experience at at Arrowhead mm-hmm. that they just did. And as you're walking through the concourses, you know, and it used to be the big gray drab concrete, but Community America has done a really nice job of branding that and making that interactive as you're walking into the stadium. So spaces that you used to never think about before, mm-hmm. you know, now give you an opportunity to engage. What is that like to modern or putting an experience into an older stadium compared to the brand new, beautiful Mercedes Benz place or the one in Minneapolis that are brand new? Each one has a unique challenge <laughs> is how I would define it. I mean, yeah, because if you're working on a uh, Wrigley field, obviously, or mm-hmm. something that's old, you know, you've seen renovations at uh, Lambeau and all these old stadiums recently, and people are some people are not happy about them. And but then the, it's just kind of like our new airport we're going to be getting. You know, it's like I think once people see it and see the innovation in it, they'll be like, "Oh, this is great." Oh yeah. But it's just it's the change element, right? Yeah. And so you're putting in these new experiences at old some 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 are older, right? Some are newer. Uh, that's got to be a interesting, you know, tightrope to walk, especially with I, you guys being so creative. And I think we, we really enjoy both. I think they, like Tom said, they both come with their set of challenges, but, you know, respecting, you know, with, in the case of Arrowhead, Arrowhead means, means something to all of us, right? We've all had experiences there. So we want to respect that and take advantage of what we inherited there. So those round circulation ramps, everyone's seen them and been up and down them or, you know, during their lifetime. So, uh, like Tom said, we, we were able to kind of activate those and make them into brand experiences that people, so it really improves improves the you know the visitor experience and also staying cutting edge, right, Jeff? I mean, I'm looking through your book. You guys have touched you said a hundred different places in the sports world at least. Um, 
when you go to those initial meetings, you know, they don't want to be cookie cutter. They don't want to be just right. like the the team down the street, right, or the, yeah. the other Big 12 school. So just figuring out ways to do something innovative. It's got to be hard. Yeah. When you have so many clients, I mean, how do you how do you do that? How do you come keep coming up with creative ideas? Is it just through your your strategy process with the client and hearing what their needs are? How does that work? How does the process work for something like this? Cuz cuz well, in a world I live in, it's all about um processes and about yeah. strategy and about. So I'm interested to hear more about and that. We we have a process, uh but the variable that's different in each one of those is the client. And so um, we always bring the same process, and we vary up. We have a different team, of course, but uh, but the the client's always different, and our process involves the client quite a bit. So mm-hmm. there, we we don't uh, we're not like some design firms that you know go away and come back a year later with the idea and say here it is. We want you to be involved every step of the way, and so we demand a lot from our clients. We ask them what story they want to tell. What's, you know, what's their brand attributes, all the things that they're trying to achieve on the business side. We want to make sure that what we design fulfills that. And, um, and so, yeah, that does require them. And, uh, and then they're going to bring their unique style and element to us. And it's up to us to interpret that into the space. So Hmm. that, that's what makes each experience different. And so I think as you flip through our book, you notice that there's not, uh, there's not a common look. Every look, every one of them looks unique, and it's probably because it represents our client. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, Tucker. How's it? Uh, how's it changed as you kind of deliver uh, on those um, environments? I'm sure it's gone um, from not so reliant on physical structure as it is like technology and videos and music and lighting and all that kind of stuff. Have you all had to? learn that discipline or have you added on additional talent to do yeah. that piece? I think the the first real tech uh, heavy project we did was for uh, Mizzou and um, and that was probably 10 years ago. And so that, since... Which, what was that a part of? Which 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 deal was that for? Um, you know the name of the... Was it training wall? facility? Was yeah, the, the Tiger, Tiger Wall. wall. Interactive yeah. Tiger Wall. Yeah. But I don't know the building it's in. Um, but... Uh, I can I think, say that there might be some potential more work down there for yeah. you guys as it continues to grow the football stadium and whatnot. That's good. But I was just down there at the basketball arena last Friday, and uh, to me, it's still one of the best. It seems so new, and it was built when I was in law school back then. Uh, right. But it doesn't. It, it feels as if it's a great environment, a great stadium. It hasn't aged at all. Yeah, uh, which is cool, I think. And that tech project for us really started it. It got it started, and I think a lot of people saw that. It got a lot of attention in the sports world, and and so. Uh, that kind of the budget that goes towards technology has grown every year since. And so the fastest growing group within our company is our tech group. And, uh, and so it's really exciting uh, because, you know, like you said, Jeff, building physical uh, elements is important, but uh, having technology is also really exciting because you can create an experience nobody's ever seen before mm-hmm. and it can constantly evolve with the brand. So as Mizzou has more wins, they can constantly update it. And constantly make the content fresh to new recruits and what's relevant to a new recruit. So, you guys also, I mean, I'm I'm sitting here, Jeff, thinking to myself, man, I should have got a job with uh, this company years ago, right? You guys yeah, are going to work on a lot of fun projects. Yeah. Uh, and just they all seem to be smiling when you go in there. Too, so it must be a good environment. <laughs> a lot of a uh, lot of uh, good company culture too. You guys are that's important to you all. I, I've looked at your awards page and. Uh, you know, best places to work is all is, is a reoccurring theme, and, yeah. and your your employees, and you know, fast one of the fastest growing companies in Kansas City as well as in the country. 
uh, your employees seem to uh, really enjoy the, the work they do there. Yeah, I think um, a, f- a few years ago, our uh, executive team every year, uh, kind of at the beginning of the year, we talk about what each one of us is going to focus on. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's lots of things on all of our lists, but we always try and decide on one thing that each one of us is going to focus on. And for the last several years, mine has been culture. And um, it's been tough a little bit to give up design because that's my passion. That's what I went to school for. But in a way, focusing on culture is a, is a design project. And um, so really designing who we are and, who, um, and our culture and then having that be consistent, uh, consistent across the different offices and as we continue to grow is going to be really important. So uh, that's been sort of my obsession. And, um, and I think it's really helped us scale so that the new people that come on board understand uh, what we believe in, what's important to us, and uh, and so the the culture is is gonna it's going to continue to be a big focus of mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say from the outside looking in, like it seems like all decisions are made through the filter of culture. Because mm-hmm. I think about like uh, Tom, whenever you all are kind of talking about executing things, and like Allison on the accounting side, and all of that, it all seems to be done in the purview of what does this do to our culture. I love it. Let's get back into that after the break. We're with uh, Tucker Trotter and Tom Collins from Dimensional Innovations, joined as well by Jeff Phillips from MoBank. You're listening to Girl Nation here on 980 AM KMBZ. Thanks for joining us. to a best of Grill Nation. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show here on KBZ 980 AM and on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. I want to get right back into our awesome segment and show today with Devin Henderson, uh, humorist and keynote speaker. Uh, his website is devinhenderson.com. A lot of fun. Check it out. Uh, very successful entrepreneur here in Kansas City and throughout the country. Uh, Devin, um, first of all, what are we looking at when, when people hire you? I want to kind of just get to the nuts and bolts. We're doing humor, motivation, corporate sales, corporate parties, magician. What, what do you offer here? So yeah. we can, we can basically, tell I can either open or close a conference or do an after lunch spot that has some content in it about using humor to deal with change and stress and difficult people. Uh, where I bring in some magic, I bring in some humor, audience participation, really make it exciting. Um, because sometimes in conferences, people are getting that heavy information where it's like, we need a break or we need to kick this off fun. So that's my, that's mainly what I do. People um, are like, who's this cheesy guy? It's like, it's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. They well, and then, yeah. Well, then like sometimes they'll have me as their keynote speaker and then they'll have like a banquet that night and I'll do like after dinner, just straight mentalism or something. So, and sometimes close up magic before the cocktail or, a meet and greet or a Q&A or, you know, sell my products, uh, my, my books, my best-selling books, Jason. <laughs> Let's make it clear they're not best-selling. <laughs> so we were talking off air about a, a, a turning point in your life. Yeah. Uh, you know, I always think, you know, I look at your website, you've done some openings for some big comedians, and I thought, you know, at some point he probably had the chance to be on one of these national TV shows and maybe mm-hmm. open on one of the late-night shows, and you apparently already did that on a reality show. Tell us about that. Yeah, okay, so it was America's Got Talent, and uh, it's, it, I bombed, um, kind of. <laughs> you didn't um, bomb, but you went on the yeah, actual show. Yeah, I went on the Howard show. Howard Stern, Heidi Klum. I've there never really watched it, but I knew they were involved. Right, this was season nine, so this was about two and a half years ago. I get an email that says, we're looking for a master pickpocket. So I, they must have YouTube thief or <laughs> XCon or something, but they found me taking watches on videos, 
you know, like we want to fly you out here for your audition. By audition, they mean get straight in front of the celebrity judges and on, on the Hollywood Boulevard in the Dolby Theater in front of 5,000 people. And I was like, hold on, I'm not a master pickpocket. I do pickpocket in my act, but that's not my focus. I mean, you've seen these guys, right? On these, I don't know these guys yeah. just taking a million things a minute. That's not me. But I was like, well, if they're going to fly me out there and pay for this, okay, sure. sure. Why not take the opportunity, right? I mean, this is really the opportunity of a lifetime, literally. So I was like, I'll go. So I go, and they assign me to an individual producer, and we're talking about, okay, this is what we'll do. You'll steal some watches. The first time will be kind of low-key. The next time, we'll steal Nick Cannon's necktie, and we'll get creative from there because you always want to up the bar every time. So I just did my thing. I did my thing that works, right, in front of corporate crowds, the things that I showed them in the video. Okay, this is what you're going to get. So I did it, and the judges were it was like, wah, wah, wah. I mean, Mel B, just like, oh, there was no magic. You said you were a magician. I saw no magic. And I thought, dang, she doesn't get it. But she's she's entitled to her own opinion. She's a moron. That's no, so, cool. So what, what about and, the other judges? Heidi Klum so, loved yeah, you. So how, Heidi Klum how, loved you. That's always a good thing to have yeah, in your, in your well, back pocket. Yeah, you know what? Um, so Heidi Klum liked it. Uh, Howard Stern likes magicians, so he was respectful. He goes, I liked it. I wish I could steal watches. Unfortunately, it didn't play for 5,000 people, which was interesting to me because they always put the guys through doing the penny tricks. and the. You know what I mean? So to me, it was just mm. like, that's not consistent, but whatever, Howard. Harry Mandel said literally he said verbatim i have friends who do a similar act and they do it really well now he's talking about the master pickpockets now <laughs> unfortunately on this america's got talent show some magicians go through doing very elementary tricks but if the judges have never seen it uh, it's amazing to them sure so guys like me who are just you know, i'm not saying i'm a mate but, but nor, like average guys like me watch that show and go are you kidding me the handkerchief and the hand trick the little spongy balls trick. You're freaking out over that. And then that stuff was, I learned that stuff in days. The watch still took me like five years to even like become, you know what I mean? Like fluid, mm. fluid with it. So anyway, it was a little bit frustrating. And of course, but for it was me, a turning point for it you. It was a turning point. Um, first of all, it hurt. I was like, I don't want to use the word depression, but I was depressed. I mean, I came home and the kids were like, what's wrong with dad? Because I mean, think about the Twitter following I would have gained if, if, cause they didn't even air my segment, which I'm kind of glad I didn't want to have to explain this to everyone. Um, I, it was a missed opportunity to gain a national following and, and book myself in better places and get more money. I mean, this was a chance for possible fame. Um, but it, so a couple blessings from that experience. Number one, I realized I'm done with magic. I wasn't passionate about it. Not that that's why I failed, but I was like, I just, I don't love this thing anymore. And had I gotten pigeonholed into that and become successful, then I'm doing the thing I don't like anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's a good thing I didn't fail. The other thing is, I, I now tell this story. I tried to hide it for years, but now I tell the story in my motivational speech when I'm talking about humor and when life's hard, laugh hard, mm -hmm. right? That's my whole mess with life's yeah. hard, laugh hard. Um, and so this was hard for me, right? And I wasn't able to laugh about it right away, but it's over the years, you know, my wife and I joke about it. Um, and I, I, what I realized is that while the stupid part of me wishes I would have become successful and become a millionaire, um, the, the smart part of me is saying, dude, you're already rich. You've got a wife who folds your socks. You've got five kids <laughs> who come home and have pictures of butterfly landing in elephant poop. <laughs> Life doesn't get better than that. You know, I, I've already arrived, really. The smart part of me knows that. Now, I'm fighting to, you know, always better and myself. You're, you're booking but, tons of corporate stuff. Yeah. Now, and so, which I, is so what you what, actually enjoy, the comedian stuff. You don't yeah. have to travel with all your tricks. Yeah. So why am I, why am I upset about this, right? And so I think it is that prideful, like, I want, I want people to respect me and know me. And I want to walk into a room and have people be like, that's the guy. Mm -hmm. But really, I, I know I don't want that ultimately, mm -hmm. you know, but, but, but I think we can all 
everyone can maybe in show business can relate to that. Like I want to be bigger. I want to be more, more known. I want to make more money. Yeah. Um, but that's, there's no happiness there. I mean, where's that road lead? You know, look at Elvis Presley and he and I are very, very similar. Very, very similar. Yeah. Devin you know? Henderson, <laughs> DevinHenderson.com. Yeah, if you're interested, you, he could offer humor in the workplace, innovation and creativity, customer service, teamwork, entertainment only, and hosted MC, uh, for your corporate outings or your uh, banquets or whatnot. He's, he's worked with pretty much everyone in the country at this point. If you go to his client page, it's a long list of people, man. Clifton, you need to add that to your website. Just list thousands of few, clients. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> we don't have as many of the big names. So, anyways, and there's all there's all ways to, to connect with yeah. Devin here. So, Devin, we got a couple minutes left, man. I mean, just okay. any any entrepreneurial wisdom and Clifton, I want to have a question there too. But yeah. Hey, what, what's your what's your, what's your response to someone that's like starting a company or, yeah. or working really hard trying to get something going? Uh, to at the sake of sounding like Matt Foley, go for it. You know, I have a friend who was a magician who uh, worked a day job until he was nearly fifty years old. Finally, got let go of that. Then he was able to pursue magic, mm-hmm. and, and it, his business exploded. Because I heard someone say one time, wait, is your day job your safety net or is it your drag net? Mm-hmm. And when you can't invest in it fully, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hold you back. And so you're never going to test that out. So test it out and fall flat on your face and fail. You know, I walked into 40 restaurants. I mean, I got 38 no's. That's, that's hard to hear. Yeah. You know, you just, you just keep going for it. But you got two yeses, which led yep. to a career, which led yep. to a uh, actual business, mm-hmm. which led to providing for a family. Mm-hmm. And you own your own life, right? Yeah. I mean, for the most part, you can... Yeah. You could fly to Hawaii, which you haven't done yet, mm-hmm. since your honeymoon, and uh, <laughs> book a gig and, and sit by the beach. Yeah. You could. I you could. have five kids. It makes it a little difficult. Yeah. But you can bring them with you. Yes. So you got a lot of stuff going for you, man. Yeah. DevinHenderson.com. Any uh, final thoughts, Clifton? A uh, minute left in the show. Any? No, I just think, up? you know, I, I was I was thinking back on those two restaurants that said yes, right? And mm. And I think people don't really realize the impact they can have on another person's life, mm. you know? And so all those no's that you got, you did get two yeses. I don't know who's, who those restaurants were. They're probably local, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. And But those restaurants, the managers of those restaurants, literally helped change your life and your family's life and built a career for you on something very simple. Mm-hmm. As simple as saying, sure, you can do a free show for me once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a test, who, what's the worst that could happen, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and those other restaurant managers, you know, they ended up missing out on something really mm. potentially big. And so it's a, it's an interesting thought to think of it that way, right? And, yeah. and this is how every entrepreneurial journey, I think, starts is there, there's always one person who says yes the first time. Mm. And that's the start of it as it moves forward. Wow. Well, well, said. well said. Let's end yeah. on that note. Devin Henderson uh, at Henderson Comedy on Twitter and DevinHenderson.com. Appreciate you joining us today. Looking forward to spreading your uh, name around town to bunch of different corporate people and uh good luck and congrats on all your success thank you great to have you clifton thanks for setting this up today you uh, knocked another show out of the park that's for sure thank you jason we'll see you again next week here on girl nation take care